professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 708 on CJD. Welcome to a brand new season of Today's Entrepreneur presented by Fuller Landau. My name is Dan Delmar along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing great, Dan. The summer passed by quick, but great to be back. <laughs> Certainly did. And uh, so over the summer, of course, on this program, we focus on outstanding entrepreneurs and uh, the whole world of small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, what did we miss over the summer, Josh? Uh, what's been going on? You know, uh, Dan, I would use two words to describe a little bit about the entrepreneurial thoughts and processes that have gone this summer. And it, I'd love to say it's great, but you know what? There's fear and there's reaction. And, and not every entrepreneur is like that, but with all the negative news coming out, people that panic unnecessarily, those entrepreneurs that haven't either properly planned or, or thought out exactly plan A, plan B, plan C, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of reaction. And unfortunately, it doesn't always result in the right end business decision. And I find that this summer, with all the turmoil around the world, and I know it's been going on for the last you know, few years, two, three years, but certainly this summer uh, is just kind of brought it out. And those that, all those entrepreneurs that really plan and go forward and know their business truly well, those are the ones that will go out and succeed. And with that in mind, you know, certainly our guests tonight are the ones that plan, that look, that look around, that reinvent themselves, that see the market around them, and really, really embrace that entrepreneurial spirit. So I'd love to welcome to the show this evening, uh, Christina Nakos and Alex Samatos uh, of Natural Furs uh, and, a new food, and a new concept that they're, that they're looking to build. Um, so welcome to the program. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Uh, and, and I think just to get the listeners to, to understand, before we get to the, the new concept, very different from the existing fur business, uh, let's talk a little bit about the fur business. It's really fascinating. It's an old industry uh, or an industry that's been around a really long time. So tell us a little bit about what natural furs is today. Uh, natural furs today is um, a manufacturer of furs, also a retail. Uh, we ship mostly to the U.S., although we have our own stores in Windsor, Ontario, and Detroit. Um, we're, we're a niche player, more than a big stockhouse as we used to be, and we're still in business, and we're, we're shipping as we speak. Now, where did this start? Now, Christina, you're second generation into this business? Correct. So give us a little bit of, of history, where it started with uh, your parents or your father, and kind of how, how he got into this. Uh, my father came over when he was 17 and actually started sweeping floors in a fur factory. So it was his first job, and that's how he, um, he learned different aspects of the business, uh, became very good at a few of them, and then uh, eventually became a contractor who works for bigger companies and then opened up his own company. So that was really by chance more than anything else. And Alex, uh, you've been in this business a little bit longer than Christina. How did, how did you get in? What was your background and what did you learn? Well, although uh, I'm not related to the Nacoses, uh, members of my family uh, were working for uh, Natural Furs uh, about 25 years ago when I was still in college. And uh, basically uh, working uh, in one of the plants that uh, Mr. Nacos uh, owned at the time, uh, came in as a, also as a floor boy, um, carrying finishing uh, garments to different contractors on the, on the outside. So my family got me into the Nacos family business, and uh, eventually one thing led to another. I became a salesman on the road, uh, went out to the stores and uh, basically sold our wares uh, month by month. 
and uh, then eventually became a house salesman uh, at Global Furs, which is uh, the main manufacturing company, which eventually took over Natural Furs. Now, you've, you, so you've been in this fur business a long time. There has been changes in the environment along the way. Mm-hmm. Like, what's been one of the more significant changes that you've been a part of? Well, the biggest change is really what most manufacturing went through uh, in Montreal and Canada. Uh, Production centers moved to the Orient. Uh, We always produced uh, in Greece. Mr. Nakos' brother has a a large manufacturing plant, manufacturing furs in northern Greece, uh, near Castoria, which is a well-known fur center. Um, But uh, essentially the major change that we've gone through here in North America is that production... Uh, eventually left the city and uh, went to those other production centers and we became more niche players as Christina said before. We now produce uh, predominantly here in Montreal uh, products that don't really exist uh, anywhere else. Our transformation here in Montreal is second to none. Uh, We work wild furs better than uh, any other production center. Is it difficult to remain competitive against, uh, you know, Chinese exporters and and things of that nature, just as it is uh, with with other areas of the garment industry? Well, really, it was impossible to remain competitive without using them as our production centers. So the area where we are competitive and are actually better than anyone else is our niche products, which we transform here. Now, so you're saying the industry moved to more importers, certainly uh, in the Montreal era. Did you find that you guys were ahead of the curve, with the curve, behind the curve? How was that decision process to say, you know what, it's just not making the bottom line here. we got to really move on to a different location. Well, I, I remember my father, I was still in university, when he actually went, I think it was 80, 88, he went to mainland China to actually look at mink farming. So he recognized pretty early that not just production, but also the actual, the growing and the... Um, using the raw materials, so that was all moving over as well. So he definitely was looking more for a vertical uh, transformation, I guess, but um, that didn't work then. It was too new, it was too early. They weren't quite set up for foreign investment. It was very difficult um, for non-government bodies to get involved. So he definitely had it in the back of his mind that things were moving very quickly away from Montreal. You know, Dan, Christina brings up an excellent point, vertical integration. When companies in Montreal, when they realize that, you know, they can't just be all things, they, they want to be all things to all people. They can't necessarily do it in their current premises, current location. So vertical integration where you're taking out and you're kind of contributing to your own profit, you're taking somebody else's profit, really can help the entrepreneur today where there's so much competition, so much uncertainty, really balance out the efforts in, in dealing with, with you know issues like uh, inventory and buying on time and, and all these nuances that really add to both the top and bottom line. And entrepreneurs really, uh, you know, I want to explore that a touch more uh, after the break with Christina, uh, just to see how that impacted their business. Today's Entrepreneur Continues, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business, the first edition of the new season, every Monday night here at 7 p.m. on CJAD. Our guests, Christina Nakos and Alex Samatos from Natural Furs, also from the upcoming Food EC, and we'll talk about that later in the show, a very different business. It's 7.15 right now on CJAD. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
719 on CJD. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, a show about business people just like you who have struggled and succeeded in the end. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, a new season, Josh, of today's Entrepreneur. And uh, we're here every Monday night at 7 p.m. Our guests this evening, Christina Nakos and Alex Zamatos from Natural Furs and Food EC. We'll get to the food part later. Uh, but first, uh, Christina and Alex, we're talking about uh, vertical integration, how you guys have, have dealt with manufacturing all the way down to retail. What have, what have been your experiences uh, throughout that process, and, and uh, where's the company now in, in terms of vertically integrating everything? Well, initially, uh, as Christina explained before we went to break, uh, her father went uh, into China and was looking at the true vertical integration, which was raising the animals all the way down to selling the fur coats on this side of the world. Uh, that obviously was a little premature, and uh, what ended up happening is that uh, Mr. Nakos forged alliances with some of the larger Hong Kong manufacturers who, are, who were already producing for a variety of um, houses around the world. And we, from that point on, pretty much became one of the larger importer manufacturers, certainly the largest here in Montreal. Um, and um, following that piece of vertical integration, we started acquiring stores. Um, so some of our larger uh, independent retailers in Canada, case in point, uh, Windsor, Ontario, which at the time, uh, if you look back to the mid-90s, was probably one of the largest fur retail cities in North America. There were 18 furriers in Windsor, Ontario, selling to the you know Chicago, Detroit markets. They would actually bus people in uh, every Saturday, and uh, they would sell 50 fur coats on a Saturday. Um, that was one of our biggest customers at the time, and Mr. Golden, who was... Uh, in his 80s, um, basically retired, and uh, we purchased the store. Now, it, it must be, it can't be the easiest thing to find the locations and even the supplier. Let's jump back to Hong Kong and the mainland China. Was it difficult to find? Was it easy to deal with? What were the kind of obstacles in, in working all the way on the other side of the world? A few things. One, find the supplier for sure, but how we manufacture, how the North American, um, what the North, North American market wants in a coat is very different. Styling is different, sizing, I mean, language barrier, but also details and how we produce and finishing details are very different there. So it was very much an educational process, you, um, a lot of trial and error. I think we got a down pat, but every year is a different experience. We, you want to try different suppliers, even, even back then we, you want different styles, different looks and every new supplier is different. You mentioned Hong Kong versus mainland China. Was it was there a, a simplicity or an ease of doing business with one versus the other? Hong Kong, well, for language. So Hong Kong is, is you, you work in English. So that was the main thing. Moving into mainland China when we, um, that was more recently we moved to mainland China for more accessories. They did that much better and less expensive. So it was, it was the next manufacturing center. Things always moved to the, the cheaper area and even Hong Kong sort of moved their own businesses back into China for manufacturing um, so that it, it's language I hear that uh, I hear that very often when they're dealing with people with the Far East it's uh, and I've, I've been to Hong Kong before it's uh, it's a really great place the reality is they're acclimatized to the Western culture English is an official language in Hong Kong even though uh, China is even though Hong Kong is part of China it's really two distinct systems and entrepreneurs can really 
reduce their risk level or increase their chance of success by using a Hong Kong related company to move uh, and to do business in in the mainland. So it's a, it's an it's an experience that is worth listening to to Christine about. And I'm interested to hear the other side of it on the retail uh, when we come back in a moment. Today's entrepreneur on CJD, our guests, Christina Nakos and Alex Samantos of Natural Furs at 723 on CJD. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 726, welcome back to today's entrepreneur. Our guests this evening, Christina Nakos and Alex Samatos from Natural Furs, and also starting a new venture called Foodie C. We'll get to that a little bit later from fur to food. Uh, also, we're talking about vertical integration, guys, and how you guys have really taken over uh, the whole chain from start to finish. And I want to pick your brain about retail now. At what point uh, did your family business uh, and and you, Alex, at what point did, did you all decide to get into retail, and, and, uh, and how was that experience? Basically, uh, the biggest problem with the fur business in the late 90s was distribution. And the reason distribution was such a problem is because it's such a capital-intensive business. Um, wholesalers needed to get into the retail business to continue that chain. Uh, and when stores became available, um, essentially, you know, Christina's father uh, picked, them, picked them up. <laughs> was, it, was it difficult to find the first store? Uh, they came to us. I mean, yeah. essentially, Eli Golden in uh, in Windsor, Ontario, wouldn't uh, would not have sold his baby to anyone else but Tom. Tom was always his uh, biggest supplier and biggest fan. And most of the smaller independents or larger independents were family owned, so there has to be a relève, and there wasn't in this case. Does your competition do the same thing? Somewhat. Some do. How how is that given? How have you been proactively able to get that? leg up on your competition as far as this type of vertical integration goes? Again, it's relationship and the stores that we had been doing business with for a couple of generations who did not wish to continue essentially came to us and uh, by working together we eventually took over the businesses successfully. So in some cases taking over two stores, reducing it to one store, rationalizing the operation, integrating it to our wider network of supply. Did that help manage, I guess, the inventory, the, the turns, the, uh, I mean, all, all these concepts that, that entrepreneurs face every single day of how do I get my cash back in my business and have it working for me, that must have helped tremendously having these retail outlets. For, for sure. And, and as Alex said, distribution's always been one of our problems. So in being able to control the distribution channels, um, it gives you the outlets that were reducing rapidly in the 90s. The stores were just closing. Gwen, you were talking about uh, uh, your, your dad's snap. Oh, sorry, uh, Christina. Gwen is your mom. Uh, you were talking about uh, you were talking about snapping up all of these stores. Uh, did they? Did you keep the names of the stores, or did you develop a, a sort of more cohesive brand identity for all of them? Um, and it, I think in every instance, the name was kept because um, the customers, like your favorite jeweler, your furrier, there's a trust. And bringing a name as as a brand, as much as I love brands, it's not the way the fur industry works. It's not the store. The stores are their own entity, and there's a great relationship, as Alex said, with the customer to their own store. Mm -hmm. Now, the the stores themselves, okay, you kept them. You're 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 moving the goods out, working very well. Is it? Are there stores? The product that's in the stores. Did you maintain control? Did you have to revamp everything? Was it 
ripe for the picking? Like, did you have to go and relearn that store or was basically put in your own goods and that was it? I mean, it, it depends on uh, the individual cases, but mostly we integrated uh, all of the stores into our own distribution system. So our labels became predominant in the stores. And uh, in some cases, we ran uh, going out of business sales uh, to close down one store where there were two. So we got rid of all the old merchandise there and were able to bring in uh, fresh merchandise. Well, it sounds, uh, you know, it certainly sounds like you guys make a very good team. One is family, one is not family. Uh, certainly when we come back and we start exploring the, the food DC and the next uh, the next venture that they're going to do together, interesting to hear how the non-family and family kind of get together in the long run of an entrepreneurial family. And getting into a totally different business, we'll explore that in a second on today's Entrepreneur at 7.30. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.35 on CJD. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. And Josh, it's our season premiere, Monday nights at 7, as usual here on CJAD. And our guests this evening, Christina Nakos and Alex Amatos of Natural Furs, and they're starting a new venture called Food EC. We'll get to that in just a second. But of course, uh, Christina, we want to talk about the question we ask a lot of entrepreneurs on this program. So many of them, Josh, have been family businesses. Um, how have you enjoyed the experience uh, getting into the family business and working with your loved ones? With my loved ones, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're assuming that, yes. Yeah, no, I, I love my family. It, it wasn't intentional. I came back from London with the under the guise of, oh, I'll help for the year 2000 for computer programming issues. I was in advertising, so I was lured in. I wasn't really, a, I didn't go in willingly. <laughs> Um, it's it's been a, it's been a good experience. I'm I'm glad Alex has been there. It's um, families are challenging, but it's it's been you learn a lot more. You, you're accountable for a lot more, I and mean, you also take a lot more. So it's it's been interesting. Did the management styles are they very different between your dad and let's say previous generation and this generation operating the business? Do you have a lot of differences, or are you pretty much on the same page a lot of the time? Well, I think the big difference is that the factory um, is not what it used to be. And my father came from a, a very much a factory background. And as, as you can imagine, a factory manager. So you're managing 600 people, and we're now down to about 35. So it's a lot more coaxing. It's a lot more styles. Um, you want people's input more. Back in the day, you didn't, you know, no one should speak. You know, it wasn't about input. It wasn't, about, you know, it wasn't feely and soft. And it was very much producing. So that's changed a lot. Is your father still very involved in this business? He still signs every check, so. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask about control. I just asked about involvement. Um, okay, now, now, you're, now we're really getting off, and you're in the fur business. You and uh, Christine and Alex, you guys have been working together for a long time. Where in the world did you guys start thinking about this foodie C uh, as entrepreneurs? Well, basically, the first idea that came into our heads was um, to open a store in Montreal, uh, such as Muji, where you'd have stuff that you know you wouldn't find anywhere else, which was also originally um, food-based. I mean, I think that we, we were hungry to answer your question. <laughs> we were very hungry, and there was nothing in the area, but we wanted Trader Joe's or Muji, something kind of clever, small um, food, well well packaged, interesting design. Do and you have a, Do you have a background in food? Other than eating? I've been eating a lot. Um, uh, well, my father moved into the restaurant business back in 98, I think, with Weinstein's and Decca. So 
I and I actually was a man, uh, managed a wine bar in London. So, yes and no. There was a restaurant experience, but I wasn't. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not a terribly good cook. So, my family was in the restaurant business. So yes, I do have a food background aside from being a good eater as well. We should, we should clarify that the two businesses, the fur and the food, are completely separate, right? There's Thank no, you. There's no, no, no integration going there. <laughs> uh, so what, what, well, you guys are foodies, or what made you want to get into that business in particular? Well, that word is probably the one that describes us the best, and mm. uh, hence the name Foodie C. Uh, we originally wanted to call it Foodie, and then, you know, it was kind of too English, so Foodie C sounded great. Um, and we also, the idea was having 80% local, um, so Foodie C, crazy for locals, so we really were locavores and just really loved the movement um, of, of local food, so that was a big, big um, reason to start this, this particular store. What's been the most challenging aspect at this, I guess, startup venture? I think the banks. Yeah, pretty much, the money. And how was, it, how was this concept received by them? They love the concept. Um, but they don't finance stores such as ours. So it was tricky. It was the first time we had to really deal with banks. This sounds silly, but it was the first time we really had to put ourselves on the line. And that was, uh, it was a shock. And was there one aspect that you learned the most of dealing with banks? Like information that they were looking for that maybe you were less prepared, but next time you say, hey, I got to go in there with that information? Or is it just their overall response at the end wanting to give you money or not? I think it's really it's the bottom line. It's it's um, how quickly will you pay back, and it's it's bottom line. They love the concept, and it's it's the worst case scenario fails. What what happens then? So it's not something we thought about failing. So that was that was I guess the big shock. And how did you deal with that from the bank? We what promised was your reaction? Not, um, we promised not to fail. No, we're just we'll we we'll signed our lives away basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> basically. You believe in it. You're entrepreneurs that we believe are. in this concept. For sure. And then the concept, you know, can change in terms of um, how much we serve because we will serve food in the, the, um, the we call it a marché as well. So whether we're serving um, more meats or vegetables, whatever it is, we, you know, we're entrepreneurs in that sense that we will quickly react to what the public wants, keeping our 80% local, keeping the things that we hold true. Or, you know, organic, gluten-free, all the things that are important to us, you know, great food, great tasting. Um, as long as those principles stay in place, we're, we're going to be nimble. Now, part of uh, launching this type of business, I presume, is real estate. you got to have a good location. you got to have the right people around. So how did you approach that decision? Well, essentially living and working in the fur district for the last 20 some odd years and in Christina's case almost 15 years we saw a great need as the district evolved and changed and gentrified I mean it's actually one of the most densely populated areas in Montreal now with all the new condos the lofts uh, Quartier des Spectacles of course has an extension right onto the university uh, and then the international um, part of town uh, down the street. So we, we really saw that there was nothing there as the area changed. And when the Louis Bohème came up and we went to see the lobby of the building where the store is going to be, we just said, this is it, you know, couldn't and, be a better place. And that was one of the things that the fur industry did give us was the, uh, the ability to travel. And we went, you know, from Milan to New York to Hong Kong. This concept, these ideas we, we've seen and we're, we're interpreting from Montreal, but they exist and they're they're so much fun like ur urban grocery stores are you know, they're great all over new york so, and philadelphia so it's just taking the concept and molding it to montreal and to the neighborhood that we we so love so you each have a bit of background in restaurants and and certainly a love of food do you are you aware that you might have other limitations are you drawing on other people's expertise for this 
well, one of our, um, our the executive chef comes from one of the restaurants, Darren Bergeron. So yes, we we don't cook in that on that scale. So yeah, we have a, an executive chef who will be uh, overseeing all the food related transformation. Now, uh, sorry. Oh, now you got these two businesses and they're running. They're they're going to be full time. How in the world are you going to balance both? Well, luckily we're right next door. Literally, go out one door and into the one next to it. The fur business has um, you know has run itself while both Christine and I were not in Montreal. Uh, when we took over the stores in Philadelphia five years ago, uh, it was an eight store chain, and I spent most of my time uh, during the work week down there. And at that time, Christina was actually living in working in our New York office. So fortunately, the fur business is a business that we can run technologically um you know email follows you everywhere starting this this new venture foodie c are you looking down the road um or are you just sort of starting with the one location uh, do you have a plan long term for others or you just want to start slow i th we, we'd love to open another three four within the next five years is, is the, the grand plan and i think it's feasible we'll, we'll definitely open this one and see you know where where they where it falls and the mix but once we feel we have a concept that has legs we'll certainly hope to open a few more and you must be seeing a growing demand for this type of store. I mean, uh, it seems especially Quebecers are very territorial when it comes to food. They don't want to have that, you know, the American stuff or the processed stuff. Uh, I think they also have a great love of, of good tasting food. So it's not just it's not just a matter of sort of per, um, of parameters in terms of location. I think they just want. We have really, really, we have great restaurants. We have a great palate, and there's nowhere to eat really in our in our neighborhood. For it sounds silly, but it was really where are we going to call in for lunch, and that was. Not that my stomach drives, you know, business decisions, but <laughs> it really was a matter of uh, res respecting the Quebec palate and knowing that we can do, I think, better than what's out there. Merchandising, as it does in many businesses, is certainly going to drive this business. How are you finding your suppliers? That's the most fun that we've had is to just be in, introduced to all of these wonderful artisans all over the province who have a passion for food, who know their terroir, and uh, are bringing stuff to us that's just... Fantastic. And now Nada's been sourcing. My, Alex's wife has my been wife's sourcing. Been a big part of it. She's she's enjoying it as well. And some of these these people, these these women and guys, their companies, they're they're like their little babies, and their the packaging is beautiful. They're they have a lust for their product. It's it's that's been the most exciting part. And then you got to bring it to the people. They got to know it's out there. You got to market to them. So I'm I'm sure that there's. Lots of things and lots of plans to get out there, whether it's social media or otherwise. Uh, certainly in launching any new business, it does require a lot of effort and a lot of pushing. Uh, and in today's world, certainly the internet and social media plays a huge role. And looking to uh, talk about that next, with uh, uh, right after the break. Christina Nakos and Alex Amatos of Natural uh, Furs and Food EC, uh, which is going to be coming this fall to downtown Montreal. So more with them in a second, as well as uh, Stephanie Darwish from Fuller Landau on a social media. That's coming up on a Today's Entrepreneur at 745. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Coming up to uh, 10 to 8 here on CJD, today's Entrepreneur presented by Fuller Landau and our guests this evening, Christina Nakos and Alex Matos from Natural Furs and Food DC coming soon this fall at, at downtown Montreal. Uh, Josh Miller, of course, from Fuller Landau, my co-host. And uh, Josh, we bring in Stephanie Darwish, who's in charge of marketing and social media at Fuller Landau. And social media, certainly for today's Entrepreneur, 
has got to be a great tool for getting out to their people. Stephanie, perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about this social networking and what maybe the challenges or things that entrepreneurs should know about it. Yeah, sure. Um, I think for a starting off business, a startup maybe like Food DC, it's probably, well, it's for sure the cheapest and probably one of the easiest ways to get word out quickly about your business and what you're doing without going to the expense of buying media, um, radio spots, etc. So, Although that's a good thing. Oh, always <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> I love buying radio spots. <laughs> um, but I guess maybe the biggest challenge would probably be then uh, getting a following and getting word out about yourself and being authentic and honest about it. Because that to me is the most important thing is honesty and being truthful to who you are. You know, what, what I hear a lot from entrepreneurs is, you know, we spend our marketing dollars. How in the world do we know it's working? Uh, is there yes. a way, I mean, social media, I mean, can you measure it? Can you can you find out if it's hitting people, what they're doing? And not, not just necessarily mm -hmm. social media, any type of, of media or, or, or advertising on the internet. Um, I think when I first started off in marketing communication, social media, I went to a lecture by um, a marketing director for a university in the States, and he always said, if you can't measure it, don't do it. And I've kind of taken that literally, and I, I think that it's applicable to almost anything you do. So whether it's measuring the increase in followers you've had over a set amount of time or measuring like if I post this on Facebook on my page how many comments do I get how many likes do I get versus if I post this and kind of testing a testing B finding out what works for you and how it goes basically Stephanie what if an entrepreneur like Christina or Alex come up to you and, and they say I just don't have time to be Facebook and tweeting all day I'm so busy I mean I, I can't possibly find the time to do this and that, that happens a lot because, you know what, it is a commitment and there's a lot to do. For Twitter, I mean, myself, it runs all day in the background. It's just part of my day-to-day -day activities. And I try to integrate that with at the firm with some people, like getting them up on TweetDeck and just having it running for them on the background. But I think if you integrate it in your life and it becomes just a day-to-day -day task for what you do, and it's not even a task, I should say, more of part of your lifestyle, then it's not hard. It's just it does have to be consistent. It does have to happen often and it just has to be integrated with what you do. Does it take a lot of knowledge or is it really just discipline? It's just really going on and using it. I think it's going on and using it. Some people might say it takes a lot of knowledge and you have to understand it, but it's all based because it's user-friendly. It's all intuitive for us, right? That's the whole white reason why it's so popular. So I don't think it takes a degree in anything. It just takes a drive and a, and a desire and a love for it actually to make it work. And, you know, it's probably also sometimes a generational issue probably. as to, you know, the I guess the facility, are you comfortable with it and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it as well. Yeah, I actually 100% agree with that. I'd probably have a lot more. I tried to get my mother on Facebook. It it didn't work so well. <laughs> <laughs> and and certainly, you know, it's just it's probably an underutilized media altogether. I mean, of course, there's there's millions and millions yeah. and millions of people on it. But that said, there's equally millions and millions that aren't using it. And interesting, interested to hear a little bit about what Christine and Alex have kind of done and, or ventured out. So I think when we, uh, when we come back from this next little break, just want to hear a couple of things how you guys have ventured into social media. Today's Entrepreneur continues on CJD. It's 7.53. professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 
7.56 on CJD. Welcome back. It's our season premiere of today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau. Josh Miller, my co-host here. And every Monday night, we'll be here at 7 p.m. Our guests this evening, uh, Christina Nakos and Alex Amatos. They're from Natural Furs and their new venture, Food EC, opening this fall in a downtown Montreal near the Calcé des Spectacles. And also, Stephanie Darwish is here in charge of marketing and social media at Fuller Landau. And uh, Christina and Alex, uh, speaking of social media, uh, are you guys getting involved uh, in the early in the early going uh, on Facebook and Twitter? We are. Um, we're on Facebook and Twitter, um, both for FoodEC and personally, so we were on before. And it, it's, it's been great. It's certainly a way to get the message out um, quickly and to those who want to hear it. And it was always part of your plan? Always. Built into the business plan from day one. Does it work the same in the fur business? Yeah, I, it probably could have, but I, we didn't for whatever reason. Stephanie, you know, you've been working with the social media for a long time. Are there any pitfalls entrepreneurs should try and avoid or do? Um, sure, I'd say so. I'd say that um, tweet or f whatever you want to call it for whatever medium you're using, what you are. So if I'm following you because you are a market-style grocery store, um, I ne don't necessarily want to hear your political views. And I probably have, I spend about 35 to 40 minutes every morning just catching up on what went on on all my news feeds overnight. So I'm quick to unfollow if you're not sticking to what you said you are. And I'm quick to block. I have no hesitation about that. Excellent. Thanks very much. As we come down to the final minutes, uh, you know, as we've done many times in the past, Dan, I'd love to turn it to Christina and Alex and ask each one of them if you had to give one piece of advice and words of wisdom to today's entrepreneur what would that be? Make sure that your vision, uh, what you intend on doing, gets put into a great business plan and stay true to that vision as you use your business plan to implement your business. And, and, and don't give up and stay enthusiastic. A lot of people will tell you um, why you're doing it, a lot of naysayers, but just stay enthusiastic and make, make believers. Now you guys are in the fur business going into the food business. I mean, did people around you say you guys are crazy? Yes, and we say to each other on a daily basis, so, yeah. <laughs> Hence the foo part of food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, thanks very much. I, I must say, Dan, as, as a takeaway to this show, uh, there is one word that totally comes out in my head, and that's reinvent. And entrepreneurs in an ever-changing environment have to constantly reinvent themselves. In this case, it's actually quite unique because they have their fur business that they're not giving up, but reinvented over the years from an integration, a vertical integration standpoint, to maintain competitive and to keep those profits and to, to manage the change in the, in the human resource requirements and the day-to-day -day and the customer requirements. And then they say, but you know what, there's this void. And as entrepreneurs, we also see that there's other possibilities and we're gonna balance our time to this. So really, Love to hear that, and entrepreneurs reinvent. Huge, huge, huge. And cross boundaries, too. I mean, an entrepreneur d yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be an entrepreneur in one industry, as we, as we see tonight. It's, uh, it's amazing. Listen, talents entrepreneurs can actually, if they use their expertise and their talents, can do pretty much anything. Christina Nakos and Alex Amatos from Natural Furs and uh, Food DC, the upcoming Food DC store downtown. Thank you so much for coming in tonight. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. And thanks to Stephanie Darwish as well from Fuller Landau. Uh, you can reach Fuller Landau at 514-875-2865 or visit their website, www.flmontreal.com. Back next Monday night for another episode of Today's Entrepreneur. It's 8 o'clock on CJD.